How many peace seekers do I have in here? Anybody? Good. Okay. Even if you weren't, then I'm sure you just raised your hand. Um, but it's worth listening um, tonight because uh, these four qualities that we're looking at over a few weeks are, are qualities or characteristics that we see in Jesus, but that we want to see more and more of in ourselves. And uh, we feel like this is something that uh, if everybody in the family of heights can kind of embrace and invite God to go to work on us in these areas, it would just be huge in us reflecting what Jesus is like out in our community and really right here in our own uh, church family as well. And so if you haven't been with us, what we've also been doing is kind of attaching a tree to the specific uh, character or, or quality on any given week. And so the first week we talked about being humble and uh, talked about the willow tree. Uh, the second week we talked about being thirsty, as in those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we talked about the cactus. And, uh, and so we're trying to get that sense where if you're out in northern Arizona and you're driving around and you notice these trees, some of God's creation that it would stop you for just a moment to make a connection. Uh, it would spark a memory of something that maybe we've been talking about in here. And that would take uh, these qualities just from being like, oh, that's kind of interesting, oh, that's nice, to something that is actually leaving an imprint on our heart and on our mind that we would grow more in this area. Uh, today we're talking about peace-seeking. What does it look like for us to be peace-seekers or peacemakers? And the pine tree is uh, where we're making the link. There's pine trees all around us in our community and the northern half of our state. And the pine, as you know, like they said there, is an evergreen. And honestly, I, I, in this day and age, I can think of really no better quality for us to possess all the time, year round, than the ability for us to find peace ourselves and then extend peace to other people. Um, the, the pine tree, as you heard there too, is, is fire resistant uh, because its ability to self-prune and the thickness of its bark, uh, it resists fire. And we are in uh, a culture in a day and age where the, the fires uh, politically, relationally, culturally, spiritually that would really love just to wipe us out are, are running rampant and that somehow as peacemakers or peace seekers, that we would be able to combat that which would just want to destroy us. And so this idea of peace, where, where do we find it? Uh, what, what is it? Uh, how do we bring it? How do we make it? How do we seek it? That's really worth us talking about today. Um, peace appears some 400 times in the scriptures. Which again is one of those, those flags that just goes up that says, I, I should be paying attention. This is obviously a big deal from God's perspective. And I think this is one of those themes in scripture that run from beginning to end. Uh, you, you look at the very beginning and Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It, it's a garden of peace. And they're experiencing intimacy with God and with each other and with creation. It was a very, very special time. You fast forward and Jesus comes to earth to bring peace as the prince of peace to people's hearts. And we know the end of the story, that more even than we're experiencing now, someday God is going to bring his kingdom 
It will be an everlasting kingdom of peace eternal. And I, I long for that. But we're in 2017 in our fallen, sinful, broken world, obviously somewhere along the way. Uh, the peace was broken. The peace got lost. Something happened. And you look way back in history for when it all started. And it wasn't too long after Adam and Eve there in the garden and the wheels come off. Uh, sin entered the world. And, and when it entered the world, it, it messed up absolutely everything. It ripped apart our relationship with God. It ripped apart our relationships with others. Uh, creation itself is living under this, this curse and this brokenness of sin. And now subsequent generations just born into this, this stream of, of sinful humanity. If you look at it, really what starts there at the fall is mankind is at war with God. Uh, where there was meant to be peace and friendship and intimacy and closeness, now it's hostility and enemies with God, uh, separation from God because of our sin, man at war with God, uh, Satan even at war and his forces with God. And, and so both in the, the human realm and the angelic realm, conflict, uh, with each other and against God. And you start to look at that, and it's, it's no wonder then that that has had some huge ripple effects uh, to our cultures and to our nations and to uh, our communities, to our households, that, that we have a significant uh, at-war in our flesh built into us against God. And that ripples out then to being at war with other people around us. I read this article that was in um, the New York Times. They, they pulled it back up and, 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 uh, and were kind of uh, teasing it. And it was way back from the late 60s. And they had published an article where they had cut their researchers loose to go back and kind of look into the history of wars and battles and conflicts and skirmishes. And what they found was that from... 36 BC, all the way to World War II, they averaged, we averaged 2.6 new wars every single year from 36 BC to World War II. And now in our wonderful age of enlightenment since World War II, now we average three new wars a year. Three new skirmishes, battles, conflicts across our, our world every single year. It, it was something that um, really broke a long, long time ago. Uh, peace was broken. But it, it was also the, the peace that, that you and I had in our hearts and in our souls. And picture for just a moment that this apple represents uh, your full peace, intact peace, uh, intact soul that is healthy and all things good. This is what people had before the fall. Adam and Eve had this before the fall, this intact heart and soul that was uh, perfect and, and in communion with God. Then 
sin comes. And uh, suddenly this is going to be like a Gallagher comedy show. We're going to smash watermelons in front of you, so you better duck and cover. But, but here is our heart and soul and the, the fully intact peace of God that reigned within our heart and soul. And then here comes the hammer of, of sin. And it did a number on us. I mean, it really broke our hearts. It, it broke our souls. The, 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 the after effect, the, the whitewash of, of sin was devastating deep down in our hearts and in our souls. And, and so now we know that what is going on on the inside uh, tends to manifest itself eventually on the outside. Scripture tells the story of that. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, guard your heart above all else because it's the wellspring of life. Everything that you do flows from what's going on inside here. And so if, if this is the state of humanity, this fractured, broken heart and soul, uh, then we're, we're, we should not be surprised then that what is coming out of us is a lot of hostility and brokenness. We got a hostile heart, then no wonder we become hostile people. And so now the conversation becomes, well, how do we find peace? How do we find peace uh, for our hearts and our souls? Not just uh, peace relationally or some sort of global world peace. What do we do about what's going on in here? I started to look on the internet for, for images, uh, just on Google, looking for images of protest or war or peace or, you know, any number of things just to try to get a visual, get my brain kind of working in, in a different way. And uh, first of all, what I pulled up was just overwhelming, just the images that were, that were right there. But at one point, um, th- there was an image that someone had just graphically designed and they graphically designed this, this image right here. It says, aren't we all humans? There's no question mark there, but there should be. Then why can't we live in peace? Which also should have a question mark, but that's okay. Aren't we all humans? Well, then why can't we live in peace? And what... what I don't know that they realized, but you probably realize already that they've kind of answered the question to their question in the question itself. Uh, what, what, what you and I know biblically and based on what we were just talking about is the reason that we cannot live in peace is because we're human. Uh, because we're, we're human beings that are sinful and we're broken without Jesus that our hearts are a mess and, and there's, there's brokenness internally. And so that's why there's brokenness in our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. And that just spills out culturally and nationally and internationally and all sorts of ways. And so we try to come up with then, what, what, we're, we got to be people of, of peace. We've got to stop right here and go, if if you and I think that we can concoct something that is going to bring peace to a human heart and soul, that's going to fix the inner you, your soul, 
then we're already off on the wrong foot. And so we, we try to come up with ways all the time, I think. We try to come up with human efforts, human ways, um, all, all the time. Um, I saw one of them, and part of the image comes up here. It, it just said, build peace. And the bottom tagline that was too big to fit there, it, it said, through technology. Okay. Cool. I don't know what you're up to or you're into, but keep going for it. But I can almost guarantee that there's nothing that any human being or any corporation, Apple, no pun intended, cannot manufacture something that is going to, to heal or bring peace to your human heart and soul, especially peace everlasting. Um, I, I liked this one. This was another option. Sleep for peace. That sounds pretty good to me. If we could all just do that, I'd go for that one. Maybe just take a nap for peace. I fall asleep when I wake up. Hopefully then the conflict is gone and we're, we're kind of good to go. That's the one I'd like to sign up for. I have no clue what that's about, but you fall asleep and then origami birds swarm you and then you're happy and life goes on. This, these are our efforts. Um, this is what we try to, to come up with. And, and the reality of that is, is basically our way of trying to say, we know something's broken and wrong, but let's, let's go about it from a human perspective and an outward perspective and completely neglect what's going on in the inside of people. Let's separate God from the equation. Let's minimize uh, sin and its, its effects. And so we come to the reality whether we have the language for it or not, that, that this is the state of humankind internally. And, and then our solution is something like, well, if we could only like just get rid of the hammer, that would probably fix it, right? Well, no, because we still got this. This is still what's going on internally. And we come up with other ways. Okay, well, I mean, there's got to be something. There's someone I can talk to. There's something that I, I can purchase. And so maybe we'll just like get out the tape and try to mend the soul. I mean, we don't even have duct tape. We got like cheap Walmart masking tape. And we're going to try to patch our soul up or uh, the souls of other people around us. We're kind of just kind of peel off a couple pieces and just see if this works to bring some peace to really what is ailing people. And we go, oh, that's pretty good. At least it's not in five or six pieces. Just don't move too hard. Don't have any sort of significant trial in your life that will jostle you to the point of going, ooh, wait, I'm, I have my soul held together by duct tape. I got masking tape trying to hold my whole insides together. It'll become really clear what the state of your heart and your soul is like. For many, many of us, um, how we come to define peace itself is, is really, really key. Uh, the word shalom in Hebrew uh, gets translated into our language, peace. And so when we hear that, uh, shalom, uh, we think peace, but we tend to think peace in, in our language and in our school of thought. And in our school of thought, not everybody, but most of us thinks peace in terms of uh, the absence of conflict. 
You, you might define peace as the absence of conflict or the lack of any troubles. If I just didn't have these troubles, if I didn't have these problems, no conflict, then I'd have peace. And that, that kind of makes sense. But that is not the full definition of the Hebrew word for shalom. Uh, the Hebrew word for shalom actually means wholeness or completeness. And it's, it's not really driving at the lack of something. Shalom is getting to the heart of the presence of something. And more fully, the presence of someone. It's that, that somehow, if you would experience shalom, you would be made whole. And the God of the universe and his word would make yours and mine broken down. My, my heart's already falling apart here. He's the only one that can come in and make you whole. No one can do that. No other thing can do that. Only he can bring peace. Only he can bring wholeness to the deepest parts of you. And so I, I really believe wholeheartedly that, that for us, uh, we cannot get to peace unless we get to Jesus. We cannot find peace and wholeness for the inner parts of us until we get to the cross. And then this, this is what you should be thinking of often when you're uh, feeling uh, internally angsty, uh, hostile, uh, tense, broken, hardened, numb, empty. Think, I, I need to get to my Jesus. I need to get to the cross. Why? Uh, Colossians chapter 1 uh, says that God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, so that Jesus might begin to reconcile all things to himself. Uh, reconciles a relationship language. It means that relationship has been broken, there's hostility, there's separation, there's a fracture there. And, and Jesus came to stand in the space between uh, our Father and us that was created because of our sin. And he stands in the gap and goes to the cross for us and pulls his people that he loves back to the loving arms of the Father. He says he came to reconcile all things to himself. And then it goes on to explain how. He says in Colossians 1, by... Making peace through the shedding of his blood on the cross. He made peace. He made us whole. As God the Son took on flesh, became like one of us in every way, and went to the cross, died on the cross for the sins of all humanity, and then rose from the grave, conquering sin, conquering death, proving that he has the ability to make dead things live. So that we could have a relationship again with the Father. That we could have a, a heart and soul that is restored. Knowing that our best efforts would just be like masking tape on this smashed apple in mending our heart. 
but that he has peace for us. He has wholeness for us. And in that regard, what Jesus did is he offers me and you a brand new heart. He looks at our stone heart, our, our fractured dead heart, and he just swaps it out. New creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And here's a brand new heart of flesh, wherein the, the peace of Christ dwells. He gives us that. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been justified through faith because of what Jesus did for us. Justification is a, a legal term, and it means that you are declared not guilty. And then more than that, you're also declared righteous. So that because of what Jesus did on the cross for you, we stand as enemies of God. We stand guilty before God. But because of the person and the work of Jesus on the cross, he, he turns us from being guilty to not guilty. He transforms us from being uh, enemies to friends. And when you put your faith in Jesus, you get to hand Jesus your sin and he hands you back his righteousness in return. Best trade ever. And that is what brings peace to our heart and our soul. He begins to declare something new about you, whether you felt it at the moment or not, or believed it at the moment or not. Did you know God's a declarative God? He can speak things into being. Oceans, oceans. Mountains, mountains. So if he can do that in creation, can he not speak something new about you? Being your creator, your designer, knowing how you operate mind, body, soul, and spirit. That he can speak something and declare it to be true that is now true about you. Guilty, not guilty. Enemy, friend. Hostile, at peace. And that's all true of you. And that comes from Jesus. And so he, he Jesus, is, is the beginning of our peace. He's the sustainer of our peace as the prince of peace. And, and he is the one that will bring all peace to fulfillment sometime in the future. I'd love to teach through one passage of scripture tonight. There's just too many. I'm going to cruise through a few. So I apologize for using too much Bible tonight. Um, peace I leave with you. These are words of Jesus. And in John chapter 14, this is kind of in the midst of a really amazing discourse that Jesus is having about peace. He's cluing his disciples, his closest friends, into uh, why stuff's been happening and, and how they're supposed to currently operate and, 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 and what is going to be helpful for them to know in the future. And in that context, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. My peace, he says. Uh, not, not somebody else's nine steps to peace with God or you know, eight things that you must do to find peace or four things you need to get rid of in order to have peace. It's here's the peace of Christ for you. He says, I'm giving you my peace. 
And his peace, by the way, covers your past and your present and your future, which I love. Uh, No one else can do that. No thing else can reach into your past that looks like this because of sin. And the, the person and the work of Jesus brings wholeness to your past. If you don't have the peace of Jesus over your past, then what the enemy does is he pulls some string uh, from your conscience that has not been dealt with in your past, and he brings it into your present. And once he's got it there, then uh, instability starts happening, worry, concern, frustration, turbulent heart. He, he, He came to give peace to your past. Jesus does that. He gives peace to your present. Peace that surpasses all understanding. You get into those moments where there's no earthly reason why you should have this sense of peace that you do, but you do because you know Jesus. And you're in circumstances that would have tenderized your heart and soul without him. And it's not that he plucks you always immediately out of those tough situations, but he's given you all of his peace that you need in your heart and your soul, to sustain you, to strengthen you, to get through whatever fiery challenges are are coming your way. The peace of Christ deals with your past and your present. And if he doesn't, if you haven't allowed him to deal with your past and your present, then your future probably doesn't look that great. I'm just going to be real honest. But he's provided peace for your future too to bring wholeness uh, to your future. And I can't wait for that, by the way, (laughs) because I've had enough of this and operating outside of the peace of Christ and to know that the peace that he has has secured my destiny for eternal peace, peace everlasting. I love that. That's his peace. That's what he's got. He says, I don't give as the world gives. How does the world give? Well, the world gives a lot of talk about peace, but not always a lot of action. They they talk about this treaty or this, you know, meeting where we, how we had an agreement or, you know, and that lasts for a couple of weeks or a couple of years. And then we're right back to it. Why? Because we haven't dealt with the real issue. Jeremiah, back in, in Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he dealt with it. God calls it out. Jeremiah calls it out. There was these seemingly spiritual people going, hey, peace to you and peace to you and peace and peace and peace. But then a little while later, there's no actual peace amongst the people. And they're like, why? They're saying peace, but we're not experiencing peace. What's, what's the deal with that? You read further and basically at the heart of it, it says where there is sin, there's no peace. And, and they were failing to get to the root of the issue. And the root of the issue wasn't behavior. The root of the issue was a heart that needed the repair that only Jesus could bring. The world gives peace uh, options to you that are temporary. uh, Escapism. I don't like this conflict. I don't like this relationship issue. I don't like this challenge. I don't like this difficulty. And so, oh my goodness, uh, I'm just going to, Escape from it. Escape from them. Um, I'm going to escape uh, literally. I'm going to flee, or I'm going to um, 
I'm going to escape by, by numbing my soul and my heart, uh, this substance, uh, overspending, overeating, you know, whatever your thing is, just to numb out, to forget that you have this going on internally. That, that's an escapism sort of peace-seeking. And it works for a little bit. And then I guarantee you, you'll be right back in the cycle. Because it's, it's not peace everlasting. It's not the peace that Jesus has. And then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid, which I think is a little bit weird because he's just said, my peace I give to you. So if he's given me his peace, then how could my heart be troubled? If he's given me his peace, past, present, future, then why am I afraid again? What am I worried about? I think this is what it is. He has given us his peace. It's right there. It is ours. But I believe we must take hold of it. And we must apply it. We must receive it and apply it. Not just intellectually understand. This is something in which we can abide. We can live in the peace of Christ. Colossians says that we should, we should let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. A referee, umpire, our thoughts, our decisions. Let, let the peace of Christ uh, inform decisions that you're making. You, oh, I got this problem, or I got this decision, or I got this personal issue. Well, then let the peace of Christ be involved in it. What I do is thank you for the peace that you've given me, Jesus, Okay, I gotta go worry about this and put the, you know, yeah, I, I gotta figure this out. Man, I'm kind of stressed and my heart's troubled and I'm kind of fearful and I don't know what the deal is. And because I've left the peace of Christ elsewhere. I'm not bringing God into the equation, his word into the equation, the, the power of his spirit into the equation. I'm just taking it on myself. And so what I think he's reminding us is this is huge. I've given you everything that you need. Now, you need to stand in it. You need to live in it. You got God's word and it says do it, then go do it a lot. It says don't do it, then don't do it. Um, If you feel like it's going to cause angst and rob your soul of wholeness and peace, we should be running for the hills. Now, you need the grace of God and the spirit of God to enable any of that, even for you to reach out and say, Thank you, Lord, for that peace that you've given me. I'm going to cherish this. I'm going to white knuckle this. And I just, I need everything that you've got. And he'd be happy uh, to, to train you up in what it looks like to walk in his peace. Matthew chapter 5 is the beatitude that um, describes what we're talking about. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God or children of God. Uh, Blessed are the peacemakers, which just lets you and I know that that's an actual thing that God intends, uh, that that as we have received peace and wholeness because of Jesus, that we would be ones that now um, are used by him to bring peace and wholeness to other people. And of course, they'll be called the children of God because They are the only ones that could be peacemakers, really. 
I mean, no, no government official can be a eternal peacemaker for someone else unless they themselves are a child of God. And so we are the peacemakers. And what a privilege it is to walk into the lives of someone that, that doesn't know peace or wholeness as a result of what God can do in their life, for you to walk into their life and help them meet Jesus, find the peace of Jesus, find the forgiveness of Jesus. Second Corinthians, Paul encouraging the believers there in Corinth says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. So why do we? And he has committed to us the message, the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What the peace of Christ can do in the life of someone is reconcile them to God. And so what a beautiful thing that he's done for us. Now he's saying, this is what I do. This is what I love to do. Now I want to use you to do the same thing. I've reconciled you. And now I've given you that job description, that ministry, that message of hope. You're the ambassador of wholeness, of peace for people. That's evangelism. And that we would be peacemakers and one that seek peace to help others find peace in their relationship with God, get to the root of the issue and help them find wholeness for their heart and their soul. What a privilege and honor that is, as Christ ambassadors, not Christ spies. Spies can move into the neighborhood and you never even know they're there. Ambassadors, though, they, they move in to a foreign land as citizens of a, another country underneath the leadership of another king, and they go there to represent king and country really well. That, that's what an ambassador does, and that's what we should do. Peter, Peter says it this way, finally, uh, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Memorize that, underline that, take a photo of that, uh, jot that down. You don't need a Greek translation for that. Uh, You don't need a seminary degree. This is just really, really good words for me and you from the scriptures. Uh, This isn't rocket science. This is also, though, I I think what peacemakers and peace seekers look like. This is their attitude. This is what they sound like. Because you could look at the opposite of all of those words and come up with what are the opposite of sympathetic and the opposite of loving one another and the opposite of being compassionate, the opposite of humble. And if we were the opposite, do you think that's going to bring peace to other people? I don't think so. But you can see how this would bring peace to relationships and, and, and provide an amazing pathway for us to reflect Jesus. Well, what, what does that even look like? Well, it goes even further. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Oof. All right, you're crossing the line here, Ron. That's a little too far. 
I could be humble, but I can't do that. that. This is where it really gets good. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to you, this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. That's what peacemakers do. That's what ones that seeking peace do. Uh, they receive evil and these hits and they push through it with good. Now, there's enough uh, ladies here that sometimes you get in really unhealthy, really unhealthy situations. People are taking advantage of you. I think you need to set boundaries and get out of the way. Um, let other people press in. Um, but uh, there's a fine line between taking those sorts of uh, hits and, and uh, people taking advantage of you. And then you're just like, well, I got to be nice and good. And no, you need to get out of there. And you let somebody else go for him. God's a way better shepherd of his people than you'll ever be. Okay, so don't take God's place. Get yourself safe. Then he quotes from Psalm 34. For whoever would love life, this is so good. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. There, there's, there's, there's the definition. How do we seek peace? You, you do all this. Be this way. You, you need the Spirit of God to make you able to do this. But he's making you whole. He's already made you whole. Now let the wholeness of Christ have reign over you. When you're out, out there outside the walls of the church ministering to people that need Jesus and don't know Jesus, this can bring peace when we operate this way, act this way. But it also needs to happen inside the church. Um, we, 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 if we can't build peace internally, then forget it, trying to do it outside of here. I'm blown away how much infight. I'm not just talking about heights, but we need to be people that are going to link arms with other brothers and sisters at other churches across our community and beyond. They love Jesus. They believe in the Bible. Then we're good to go. We're going to be partying in heaven together. So we might as well party together now and stop all this infighting and find peace together. Now, Ephesians chapter four, last passage Paul says to the Ephesians, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. It's like there's a theme going here. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. That's what peace looks like. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. It's the peace of Christ that the Spirit of God doles out to his people. And, and when you have that, that bond of peace, it, it brings unity. We will be unified. And, and what does it say? What does it say in Scripture? That, that other people will be able to tell that we are Christians by the way that we love each other. That we bear with one another in love. That we, that we don't just... Um, come in and go out. But there is a real love going on here. And it starts with understanding where that love, that peace, that wholeness comes from. It comes from Jesus. He's given us his peace. And then he's invited us to be ones that 
bring peace and make peace with those that need it, that don't know him, with those that are brothers and sisters in Christ, that the enemy would like to drive a wedge and separate us, we're going to say, no, stop it. Enough. This is not what God's people do. We are peace seekers. We are peacemakers. And we're going to be humble and gentle, centered on the peace that Jesus has already given to us.